You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. He's Tony Wiggins. I'm James Rapine. And as always, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast here on Locked On NFL. And our team previews roll on, Tony, with your team, the team you cover in Northern Florida there, Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we're going to get to that in just a second because plenty of intrigue surrounding them but a quick reminder that brian peacock and matt williamson host locked ons peacock and williamson every monday through friday brian and matt give you the latest on the national perspective around the nfl get your picks previews and much more by subscribing to peacock and williamson and tony let's dive into this because the jaguars is as interesting as i can remember uh, stars storylines galore Something tells me you're a happy man this time of year. I am. Uh, you know, I'm kind of always happy about the Jaguars and, and uh, what's going on with you, by the way, uh, James. Uh, I am. Um, I'm always happy because I'm always enthusiastic. Anytime that, you know, you're usually a bad team, the uh, the optimism and the perpetual hope is something that, uh, you know, the hope and the wishing that you're going to be good is always something that you can play on. And then the season has to actually start. And when the season starts, um, that could run out real quick if it, if it, it isn't sustainable. And in the past, it hasn't been sustainable. Now, I, I do believe that there's a feeling in, in this city that it's not about just hoping and wishing. They really have a belief that uh, the horizon for them is uh, the blue sky says that at some point this team is going to be extremely good or at least uh, extremely competitive. And it's going to be a sustained competitiveness. It's not going to be just a one-year flash like 2017. It's going to be something that uh, every single year they're going to be hanging around and give themselves a shot at, at, you know, can you make the magic happen? Because we all know in order to win a championship, you have to first be in the neighborhood. You have to consistently Mm -hmm. get yourself into the neighborhood. And then maybe if things all go together with injuries and stellar play and the ball falling the right way, things can happen. So it's first things first. First things first is you have to be relevant from a football perspective. And I think they believe that they're headed that way here. We're going to get to the draft. We're going to get to to Trevor Lawrence here in a second. But Urban Meyer, they bring him in. And I I think it was to to mixed reviews, at least nationally. What have you seen from him? What stands out about what he's done? And are you concerned about him making the transition to the pros? Not concerned at all is because he's a delegator. And, and, and the mistake that some of us make when we think of big guys, uh, CEO types like Urban Meyer, even Nick Saban, we forget that they delegate authority. I, I love it when people say that Nick Saban is, uh, he, he's too much of a control freak. And the guy has like 20 analysts on his, you know, on his staff is like, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it, when these guys are delegating authority the way that they are. Jimmy Johnson was the same way. Just because you have a big ego doesn't mean that you're a control freak. And I think the the good coaches that do this very well, they can have a big ego, but they know what they're good at and they know what they're not good at. And they know what they need to have other people do for them. And so far, Urban has assembled a huge staff. He's doubled the strength and conditioning and performance staff. 
He has more coaches and more quality control people than I've ever seen here. And they've also uh, improved uh, the number of people in the personnel department. So it's been a big change. It's not what you would expect from an egomaniac or, or a quote unquote egomaniac, but it, I think it's a, a breath of fresh air. I tell you what, he's making himself accountable for everything, even the mistakes that he's made early on with some of the changes that he's had to make, like the hiring of Chris Doyle. He ate it, he owned it, and uh, they moved on. And uh, even in free agency, when he thought that he was going to be able to do uh, some sort of recruiting style pitch, and that wasn't the case. Guys just want to get paid based on their their tape. They don't want to get paid based on prior relationships and promises. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came out the second day of free agency and said, that didn't go like I thought it was going to go. So they turned around and, and they uh, did it another way. So the thing is, is uh, you don't see the arrogance that usually accompanies the ego. The, you know, what you see is a willingness to humble himself and um, roll with the punches. And I think that's something that necessarily had to be done. Yeah, I'm bullish on Urban. And I, I remember a couple of years ago when I was in Cleveland covering the Browns saying that they should go after Urban and that got mixed reviews. And I think these NFL teams overthink it with, with coaches. For example, I think Urban Meyer for the past decade plus has been a top five football coach on the planet, top five. And we've seen that at Florida. We saw it at Ohio State, how quickly things changed and how they go undefeated after that awful year that they had with all the allegations and sanctions and all that stuff. And so, like, landing him, I don't really have many questions. I think it's going to work. I don't doubt it like others. And it's I'm glad to, to hear you say that he is being flexible a bit and admitting some of his mistakes. Because if he does that... I know he can coach, and I don't care if it's college or the NFL. I think it's going to work. Well, the thing is, I agree with you. The thing is, is I think most people thought Urban's going to go and see if his college ways could work in the NFL. They did that with two other people. They did it with uh, Steve Spurrier. They wanted to see if the fun and gun would work in the NFL. And then they did it with Chip Kelly. He's going to come in and he's going to bring his tempo and his way of doing things. Those are ego maniac type decisions. And you came in and tried to reinvent the wheel. What Urban has done here is he's assembled a staff of longtime uh, people that he've known, he's known in college, as well as Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator and uh, on defense, Joe Cullen, someone who he, he's had a lot of respect for. And he got guys from Seattle, he got guys from Baltimore. So when you start doing that, when you're saying, and he, he specifically mentioned, I like what he did with Seattle, with Russell Wilson in Seattle and Daryl Bevel. He talked about him coaching Brett Favre before. So that goes to the young quarterback that he has. The other thing that he mentioned was Joe Cullen. I've always admired Joe Cullen and the way that he plays defense and the way that they play defense in Baltimore. Another correlation. He, he wants the, the, the front seven and the defensive line to be, and he said this, one of the top 25% in the league when you see what he's trying to do and who he's trying to do it with, you get encouraged because now you realize he knows this is a college and he understands that he has to do some things the NFL way in order to win. And that's really the only question you had about him. So I, I am, I'm excited to see urban Meyer and naturally the draw or one of the draws, I guess for urban was, was Trevor Lawrence. I want to ask you about him. I want to get into the draft, what they did in free agency a bit. Plus 
Uh, a guy who you might have heard of in, in Tim Tebow, and I'm talking to the listener there who's uh, trying to make a big transition in, in his chances. So uh, we'll get all in all uh, all of that in the next couple of segments. So this is fun. This is different. This feels different than our normal Wednesday, Tony, because I'm, I'm sort of interviewing you and asking you about your team, a team that I don't follow day to day. I feel like I'm doing a deposition, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. Just wait till my next set of questions. It's I about to get... It's going to get wild. And uh, speaking of wild, things are wild in sports all the time. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're a big sports fan, which means you need to check out Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA playoffs down to four. It's the conference finals. No KD, no AD, no problem at Bet Online. Who do you think is going to take home the title? You can bet on that. Plus, NFL prop bets already over-unders, so much more. Get off the sidelines. Get in on the action at betonline.ag. And you can sign up with your laptop, with your PC, maybe your mobile device. Whatever's easiest for you, you can do it. It's free to sign up. And when you do, make sure you use promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, go to betonline.ag. Use promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, bringing it back here on a Wednesday with Tony Wiggins, me, and James Rapine, him. And I know you don't see us, <laughs> but that's the best way I can do it for you. We're talking about Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars, as Unlocked on NFL, we're unleashing in this little bit of a down period during the offseason. What we're doing is we're premiering all of the, the teams in the NFL. And it just so happens today that we're doing the team that I happen to uh, cover on a daily basis, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And James has some more questions for me because I guess I'm the local expert, right, James, with the Jaguars? You guess. There's no guessing with Locked On Jaguars. If you're looking for day-to-day Jaguars coverage, you, you should subscribe to it. And, and Tony, yeah, let's stick with uh, one big name in Urban, who's obviously the biggest name in Jacksonville right now, with the second biggest name. In Trevor Lawrence and what he brings. And obviously, I think that's a big reason why Meyer took the job, his chance to get uh, sunshine in the flesh here. Trevor Lawrence, how has he looked? Are you willing to call him a future Hall of Famer or a bust yet? Come on, give me a good reaction here to Trevor Lawrence and OTAs. <laughs> well, first of all, you're right. I don't think Urban Meyer takes the job if the Jaguars don't have the number one pick, uh, even though they have had a bunch of other things going for him, like the most salary cap space, two first round picks in. Uh, this year's draft and next year's draft. Uh, well, last year's draft and this year's draft, but what they had was two picks in each of, in three of the first four rounds this year. And uh, they still have a bunch of salary cap space. And um, no, I, I do believe that uh, he took the job because of the ability to draft Trevor Lawrence, number one. Now, how's he looked? I always try to temper this because he's a rookie. And it doesn't mean that I think he's not going to make mistakes. But when you compare it to what we have had here, and that's not to say that we didn't have enthusiasm about Nick Foles because we did, because we saw him win a Super Bowl, and not to say that the, the people around here weren't going crazy because of Gardner Minshew, because he came into camp and was not playing the way you think a six-round draft pick should play. But when you hear people say that Trevor Lawrence is the one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in history and the highest-rated quarterback since Andrew Luck, you have to understand that when, when you put that along with what I just said about what we're used to here and watching Blake Bortles and the rest of those guys, that it's going to go from 
looking at a quarter horse to looking at secretariat running around on the field. And that's what it is. It, it's, it's like, okay, we saw those guys. Now everyone has placed all of these adjectives on him. Now, when you see him out there, what does that look like compared to what you used to see? And immediately you go, okay, yeah, I understand now. It's just, it kind of reminds me of when I first started going to watch AAU basketball. I would watch the local kids here in Jacksonville and then I'd go and watch AAU basketball. And I recall seeing Anthony Davis do the same things that I saw a 6'2 guy here in Jacksonville do, but he was 6'10". That's the difference. When you start noticing that that guy is bigger, and but he does things that a little guy does. And that's what I you know, when you first see him, you go, a big guy, a, a guy 6'6 isn't supposed to move like that. A guy 6'6 isn't supposed to be that athletic and that fluid. The ball isn't supposed to pop out of his hand that way. And you notice these things. And, and the other thing that you notice that's really, really subtle is how people around him act. They act like he it walks on water. And I think the only thing that could that could command that is the fact that they know what they have in, as far as a talent in him. And uh, you probably sense the same thing with Joe Burrow up in Cincinnati. No doubt. I mean, it was an instant culture shift, instant buy-in, and it's like, oh, the hype is real. And yep. these guys found out really quickly. And I think Trevor Lawrence is more physically gifted than a Joe Burrow. I don't think that's necessarily a take, so I'm not shocked at all that that's been the case. Let me ask you this and kind of tie in topic one, Urban Meyer, with topic two, Trevor Lawrence. What's the offense going to look like? Because you're right, a guy like Lawrence, he can run, man, and and he's got some speed. He can do some read option if you need him to, can throw it a mile if you want him to do that. What type of offense are you expecting them to, to run in Jacksonville this season? I hope he doesn't run very often. I hope when he does run, it's just uh, it's third and four, uh, and he can see that he can get it, and he slides. I hope this doesn't turn into some situation where, you, look, he's 6'6", but he's also 218. I hope this doesn't turn into a situation where you're letting a guy get broken in half by some people that are born to break people in half. So you don't want that stuff to keep happening. But um, the offense will be a mixture of what we've seen Daryl Bevel run in uh, Detroit last year and in um, Seattle before him, before that. And then a combination of some principles that Urban Meyer brings with him. And uh, that normally would be a red flag uh, maybe 10 years ago, but not now because most guys in the NFL are running stuff that they run in college anyway with the RPO stuff. A lot of guys are running stuff that Urban Meyer was running at Utah right now. So that's not as much of an alarm as, as one would think, but they, they have a lot of weapons at skill positions. They're a little bit thin at tight end, but they got James Robinson last year as an unrestricted, undrafted free agent. And he had uh, like 11, 12, 1300 yards rushing or whatever. And then they drafted Travis Etienne this year in the draft. And th it was either him or a wide receiver. And they really don't need a wide receiver because they got like four of those guys too. So the thing is, is I think they're going to be dynamic on offense. I think they're going to be multiple. I think they're going to be weird. I think you're going to see jet sweeps. I think you're going to see quick out slants. And then if they can get that stuff going, you'll see maybe a five-step drop, and then they'll start throwing it down the field. I, I really do think it's going to be versatile, and I think it's going to be multifaceted. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence's weight, and that is interesting because Joe Burrow is going to enter the season. His goal is around 220. He's shorter than Trevor Lawrence. You, you said 218. Hell, man, I'm like 185, and I'm 5'9". So I'm like, wow, they, you know, if he's 6'6", 
Where should he be? Do they need him to be at 230? I know Urban Meyer's big on the nutrition and stuff like that. Where does he need to get to or what's his goal? I think he's going I think he's going to be in the 220 something. Uh here's what happened. He was listed I believe at 220 his entire college career. If mm-hmm. we if we recall, he had uh he had labrum surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. You you're probably not eating as much. I know you're not working out, right? And mm-hmm. then and then when he did weigh in at his pro day, he had been working out with Jordan Palmer forever. So he weighed in uh he probably was a little light because of the constantly working out. And um, I, I think, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think at some point during the season, Trevor Lawrence will be over 220 pounds. He might be over 220 now. That may have just been, like I said, either, I don't know if they weighed him before or after his surgery, but it was either before his surgery, during all of that constant working out out West. And with a guy built like him, uh, he could probably lose five pounds after a good workout. Just like when I go to sleep at night, I gain five pounds because I dream about a cheeseburger. It's, it's your metabolism's a little bit different when you're young and athletic and when you're old and you used to be athletic. <laughs> I'm sure you were as, as athletic as Trevor Lawrence. What do you think? Oh, I was a, a total stud. I, we don't need to get into that because we'll have to do a whole segment uh, about my exploits. But <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> Oh, man. Um, before we get to the draft, because I do want to break down the, the other draft picks, uh, as far as concerns, because on the surface, how I look at the Jags, it's like Trevor Lawrence, not many questions about him. Skill players, DJ Chark, I think one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL. So from a distance, love him. Everybody that played fantasy football last year that had James Robinson loved him as a steal. They had ETN, who we'll get into next segment. I think they're going to be a. F- don't forget about Lavisca Chenault. He 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 had fifteen. Chenault too, and I, I loved him coming out of Colorado. I yeah. mean, this dude breaks tackles. He runs hard. I loved it. Yeah, I, I wasn't trying to forget about him at all. Yeah. So, where are the problem areas? Where should people be concerned about not only the offense? We haven't talked about the defense much, but just this team as a whole. Because at least on the surface, I would be buying Jag stock, and and why would I not do that right now? Uh, they couldn't stop the run last year, so now they have a lot of new parts that on paper says that they can uh, do that. Uh, they went and got a nose tackle. They made a trade and, and got uh, the nose tackle Brown from New Orleans, and they signed Jihad Ward and Roy Robertson Harris, and they have some young players from last year that, that played pretty well down the stretch, and they were sort of unhealthy on the front seven, and they've now gotten healthy. So we're just going to see if a change in scheme to a hybrid or a three, four, where they're going to be multiple, as opposed to that just base four, three that they ran for so long, if they can stop the run and, and be better, the secondary, they just weren't as athletic as you'd like. And, and the, the, it didn't blend last year, the way they've totally revamped the secondary. I think they're really solid linebacker with miles, Jack and Joe Schobert. So uh, in fact, I think miles Jack might be their best player outside of, you know, not evaluating the quarterback position, but um, I, I think if you have any concern is with so many moving parts being put together, it all has to come together. And the problem with it all coming together is um, teams don't allow that to happen. And they, then they have a really good schedule uh, and a really bad schedule if you want it to be easy. So they have a schedule of teams that while you're trying to figure it out, they're punching you in the mouth. And there are a bunch of teams 
that are familiar with each other, they're familiar with themselves already, and they're not making a lot of new wholesale changes. So it's one thing to change a coach. So it's an entirely different thing to change a coach, a bunch of your personnel. Think about it. They had like 12, 11 or 12 rookies playing last year. This year, mm -hmm. they're going to have another seven, eight, nine rookies that are going to be impacting this team. And then they signed 13 guys in free agency. 13 infrastructure guys with all of that cap space they didn't make one huge signing what they did was they the, the the best players on this team is trevor lawrence and the guys who were the best players on this team last year the what they did in free agency was go out and build the infrastructure they filled in their roster and uh that's a lot of guys that that really have to learn to mesh that's like 30 new guys this year alone between draft picks unrestricted undrafted free agents and and free agents and then when you add to the fact that there was a bunch of rookies last year playing and now those guys are learning something new and urban's new and all of it's new so uh it could work to their advantage because maybe other people don't know what they're going to do but while you're trying to figure it out the other people are already in tune with, with who they are and what they are and uh we're just gonna have to see man yeah it's that's a lot of turnover a lot to figure out you mentioned the draft. We'll dive into that. We'll get a closer look at what the Jags did outside of Trevor Lawrence coming up next here on Locked On NFL. I want to tell you guys about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is where you can go to get your parts and accessories for any make or any model of vehicle. I didn't say should. I said you are supposed to go. That's right. Rockauto.com. Uh, you can get online and do it. You can do it from your laptop. You do it from your mobile device. You don't have to worry about going to a chain store, standing there answering questions that you don't know. If you ask me about my engine size one more time, I am going to absolutely go crazy because I do not know the answer. But at rockauto.com, it's simple. You put your information in and boom, your part comes up and they're going to have it because they have parts and accessories for everything you can imagine. And what's going to happen is there's a little box there when you go there. They're going to go, how did you hear about us? I want you to put the word locked on one word locked on in there so they know that you were sent by us now it's a family-owned business been in business for over two decades and let me tell you something they will not let you down you order those parts and voila they're going to show up at your doorstep and you're going to save money just like you are a professional even if you're a do-it-yourself so it's rockauto.com do it now save money all your parts and accessories at rockauto.com Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. We talk about them all the time here on Locked On NFL. They have nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor, and they got something for everybody, whether it's peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, cherry, raspberry, coconut almond, every single bar covered in 100% chocolate. And the best part isn't their amazing taste. It's the macros, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you as you're trying to shed that quarantine wait maybe you got a vacation coming up built bar can help you get there so go to builtbar.com check out everything they have in all of the bars and when you're checking out and you go to pay for it make sure you use promo code lock 15 because you're going to save money you're going to get 15 percent off your first order again use promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com all right, man, we're rolling along here on a Wednesday on Locked On NFL with James Rapine and Tony Wiggins. I got to remind you about the Locked On Today podcast with Peter Bukowski every uh, morning, Monday through Friday, bright and early, 20 straight minutes like a shot of espresso. You're going to find out everything that's going on in the world of sports, not just football, in every sport. 
and you're going to get it hot and heavy and it's going to come in from the local experts in those cities where those things are happening and peter bukowski who i call peter the great is going to bring it to you and you can get it on the odyssey app subscribe to it but wherever you get your podcast it's the locked on today podcast all right james man a lot about the draft that uh urban and those guys i did a podcast uh just yesterday about the impact of their strength and performance and how it, it was going to impact this year's draft and these this year's draft picks uh and even the fantasy draft with travis Etienne. uh team people are going to be loading up trying to figure out how uh what type of impact uh, you know these guys will have from a fantasy perspective so i know everybody's interested in all of that stuff sometimes do you get sometimes people they don't understand how you can do fantasy in real football because I've been able to navigate that without any problem. Oh, I I have too. <laughs> there's no doubt and there's certainly a big difference. But uh honestly, I think fantasy football helps you learn and follow the other teams across the league. It's real easy for me to get so in tune and stuck and it's my job and it's your job, right, to cover the team you cover. But fantasy football helps you stay out of it. So it's helped me a lot for sure. Yeah, one of the things I told somebody is they go, how could you root for a team to win but root for a guy on the other team to do well in fantasy? I said, it's this simple. If you take a running back who's a third down back on the opposing team, you want your team to get way ahead, and then you want your linebackers and your DBs to back off, and that means that for a quarter and a half, the other quarterback is checking down to this dude all game because you know the game is over. That's it. Yep. That's how That's your, it. your team wins. And because now if they're running the ball with the big back, your that other you want you don't you want that guy in the game because that means your team's probably winning. I mean, you, because yep. if your team's losing, that means they got Derrick Henry in the game and he's just he's running the clock out. So I said that that's how you figure it out. You 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 try to figure out what's going to happen in the game, not necessarily how the guy scoring all the fantasy points is going to impact the victory. That's a good segue into Travis Etienne, because I think he's going to be a big part of the passing game in Jacksonville. And one, what do you think about that? How is he going to be used alongside James Robinson? And then what was the overall theme of this draft class for the Jaguars? Because like, I'll give you the Bengals theme, trenches, seven of their 10 picks, trench picks, four defensive linemen, three offensive linemen. They took chase at the top, but man, they knew they needed to get bigger, more physical in the trenches, on the lines of scrimmage. What was the theme for the Jags, and what do you expect Travis Etienne? What, what is his role going to be on this offense? Okay, Trevor Lawrence, the theme of Trevor Lawrence was to get a franchise quarterback, so we'll get past the first pick because that's a no-brainer. Sure. But yeah, the, yeah. the rest of them were athletic profiles. And what I mean by that is the Jaguars went for athletic profiles and talent. When you're 1-15, uh, you, don't, you don't get to sit here and, and one, cherry-pick, uh, certain things and, and and talk too much about positional value and talk too much about what you what you should and shouldn't do. And you also don't get to act like you're playing fantasy football and just build your roster just for this year. You don't draft as if the, the season starts the Monday after the draft is over. You, you can't. You have to understand that you're building your team for the future. So that's why the athletic profile and getting back to the sports performance uh, aspect of it was critical. And I'll tell you why. ETN was playmaking ability and speed. Even though they had James Robinson, this team did not get chunk plays last year. They felt that even with Robinson and Chark and Chenault, who we all mentioned, that they needed to improve the overall 
impact and explosiveness on the offensive side of the ball, period. Point blank in the discussion. So you get a guy who comes from college, who's covered college football. What has he seen the last three years? He's seen number nine in orange at Clemson running up and down the field in the college football playoff, right? So boom, playmaker to go along with the quarterback. Now, after that, it's all athletic profile guys. Tyson Campbell, that was a shocking pick, right? But he's built just like the other two corners that they already have on the team. They got Shaquille Griffin, who's a long rangy guy from Seattle. And CJ Henderson's already on the team, who's also long and rangy. And Joe Cullen likes to have all of those guys on the field at once. And uh, they want to be long and, and be able to run and have long arms and defend and not lose uh, speed just because guys get bigger. So that's where he came from. Now, here's the sports performance, too. Walker Little was a five-star recruit who went to Stanford, got hurt, and then he opted out last year. But Charlie Strong, who's here with Urban, recruited Walker Little, and so did Urban at Ohio State. They drafted Walker Little at 42. Whatever he's missed in terms of football in the last year and a half because of injury or opting out, they're going to get him up to speed with strength and performance. Walker Little, 6'7", 328 pounds, and he looked like all world out here on these field on this field in shorts. They're grooming him to be their future left tackle. The other one was Andre Cisco. Andre Cisco was uh, our, our our friend. The draft network had him as a first round, a late first round pick. He tore his ACL during the season. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They know the surgeon. Strength, strength, and 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 performance and, and sports performance. He's now walking around healthy as as he could be. So now they got that guy who Chris Ash recruited when Chris Ash was the coach at Rutgers. And this is where that familiarity by being close to the college game, you knew these dudes. So somebody Mm -hmm. stood on the table and said, we need to take him. He's that good. And now Cisco, who was thought to be a first round pick before last season started is healthy. So essentially they may have gotten four first round picks because of their belief in their strength and performance and, and their ability to get these guys back up to speed really, really fast. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned a, a really good point. And when I think back to the uh, Pete Carroll coming back for or coming to the NFL from USC, they had a couple really, really good drafts. And that's what set the tone for that Super Bowl run. And I think that's what Urban needs to do, right? And, and you talked about deals and, and familiarity with the college game and stuff like that. The next couple of years, and I get it, they have a ton of cap space and they'll continue to. But landing steals and diamonds in the rough from the college game in the draft – That's going to be it. The foundation of this team, sure, Lawrence, Urban, but these other guys, if you could find some steals, it could really jumpstart their chances of making a real run in the near future. I'm going to tell you what. Jimmy did it uh, when he got – Jimmy was a hell of a recruiter, and when he got to Dallas, he had all of that. And people think like, okay, well, he just got lucky. No, he didn't. When he traded Herschel Walker and got all of those picks, a lot of kids fell to Jimmy Johnson, and Jimmy Johnson knew them. He knew their profile. He knew their makeup. He knew what they were capable of. A lot of those third and fourth round picks and fifth round picks that he got in the Herschel Walker deal, those were guys that were high school All-Americans that he recruited. The same thing can go for Pete Carroll. I'll give you a perfect example. Richard Sherman. Pete Carroll was at USC. Sherman went to Stanford. Sherman was, and Harbaugh used to go at it because Harbaugh wanted Sherman to play wide receiver. Pete Carroll says this dude fell in the draft because this dude had him going back and forth between wide receiver and corner. 
you would have came to USC, you'd have played corner for me. Boom. Gibson, the guy's a Hall of Famer. You see how it works? It, that, that's what it is. It's familiarity. It's knowing the people. It's knowing the guys that you just recruited. Uh, the regular NFL coaches, man, they don't even watch college football, dude. They they might watch the game, that big Saturday night game between LSU and, and, and Alabama. You know, okay, they might watch that from the road or something in their room, but they're so busy. Mm -hmm. Generally, folks don't get it, and they don't understand. They don't even talk to the scouting department until their season is officially over. And then they go in there with the GM and the scouting department, and two weeks before the draft, they're telling them what they want them to get. But they haven't watched these players. And you have yeah. an advantage as a coach when you have, and your assistants have. You have a big-time advantage. I'll tell you this quick story. I told this on my pod yesterday. Charlie Strong was at Texas. Walker Little didn't go to Texas. He went to Stanford. Charlie Strong mm -hmm. gets fired from Texas. He's at South Florida. Walker Little gets mm -hmm. hurt. A text message has surfaced where you, uh, South Florida's head coach, Charlie Strong, text Walker Little's family and said, Godspeed, we wish him the best. Now, if that isn't some connection, like you, he didn't even come to Texas, dude. And maybe if he had, you wouldn't have got fired. You're at South Florida. <laughs> but when you found out he got hurt at Stanford, you still text his parents. Now, you don't think a guy like Charlie then goes into goes into Balky and Urban's office and stands on the table and goes, if you don't pick him, y'all ain't leaving this office. Of course he does. <laughs> of course yeah. he does. That's a good story. That's and I, I like Charlie Strong. I, uh, I thought he was going to work at Texas, and so that's uh, that's an interesting one there. Last thing from me, <clears throat> excuse me, and it comes from uh, comes from a, a place that I, I don't think we thought we would be talking about, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Earlier in the pod, you mentioned tight end was an issue. This doesn't have to do with the draft, but I got to ask it anyway. Former first round pick, playoff game winner, and Florida Gator. Tim Tebow on the roster at tight end. Tony, does he have a chance of hell to make it a chance in hell of making this 53 man roster and being one of the guys that uh, plays tight end for the Jaguars this year? Yeah, he has a chance. He has a chance because basically his pops is the coach and, and, <laughs> and, 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 but hold on, that can't be it in it in and of itself. Mm -hmm. he, 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 the, the rumor that he's like the first guy in and the last guy out, that's not a lie. That's the truth. Tim Tebow does a lot of things that coaches love. Tim Tebow does a lot of things, a lot of things that football people love. And he looks the part. He don't really look like a tight end, to tell you the truth. He looks like a fullback because when he stands in a tight end group, he, he's 6'2 and a half, maybe 6'2 and three quarters. Everybody else is 6'6. So, and he's not built. He doesn't have the long arms. I mean, he's yoked. It looks like John Cena. You know what I'm saying? But the, the, the deal is, is he hasn't looked out of place but you shouldn't look out of place if you're a superior athlete like that and all you're doing is playing in shorts. We're going to just see what happens in pads when he has to block Josh Allen on the edge and when he has to catch the ball and <laughs> when he catches the ball and as soon as he turns around, somebody's putting that helmet in his chest because those are muscle memory things that you kind of learn how to do for when you start playing football when you're young. I don't think, you know, you can just say you're 34. Okay. I'm going to actually know what this feels like and what to expect. As soon as I catch this, boom, this guy's going to be on me. That's the thing that's going to, that's, that's going to matter the most. And, you know, you're going to have people trying to make the team at his expense. So um, he has a chance because of all the things I mentioned. I don't think he will. You buy the Taysom Hill like role. There was a report out like a month ago 
And I, I saw that and I'm like, look, Taysom Hill, for say what you want about him. Dude can run. Yeah. He's big and he can run. And Tebow, he's big. He was never that fast. No. He looked fast maybe in some college games, he's, but he's, he's really running by, over people. Yeah, he's not fast by NFL standards. So no, I don't buy it because if you if the more the more you put him in a Taysom Hill role, then that means you're taking the ball from Trevor Lawrence, you're taking the ball from James Robinson, and you're taking Eesh. the ball from Travis Etienne in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And folks are going, well, maybe he's the goal line guy. Trevor Lawrence is the savior for this franchise. You get on the two-yard line and Trevor Lawrence jogs off the field, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, yeah. I can't imagine. Sure. I, can't, I can't imagine that, that they'll ever be able to live that down if they do that. Trevor Lawrence play action to James Robinson jump past to Tim Tebow. Okay. I feel you. <laughs> I mean, it'll make a hell Pretty of a season week one or week five of the regular season. It'll make a I hell don't of, know. Hey, it'll make a hell of a podcast for me. It'll even make a more <laughs> hell of a podcast for both of us if it's week four in Cincinnati. So <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about so, that, yeah, man. Yeah, that'll be fun, right? Speaking of the Bengals, we'll uh, certainly preview them in the future. We'll continue this team preview each and every day here on Locked on NFL. Tony, this was fun. It was fun to uh, get an inside look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, who appear to be on the rise. It was, man. We'll see how it goes. And uh, you guys, make sure you tune in and stay here on the Locked on Podcast Network for the next uh, few weeks, few couple. Uh, You know, that means I don't know if it's two or three. It might be four, a few couple. Uh, where we're gonna we're gonna get to every single team, and James and I might even have to double back and and do another team. But uh, this has been fun, man. It's a lot, a lot of fun. No doubt about it. Until uh, next time, make sure you subscribe, stay healthy, have fun, enjoy the summer training camp right around the corner. For Tony Wiggins, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On NFL.